Married to who? Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week we're here to talk about The Saranga Conundrum, written by Chris Chibnall, directed by... Get away icon so I can see it. Directed by Jennifer Perrot, or Perot, or Perot, you know. Aired November 4th, 2018. Jill. Yes? What'd you think of this one? Uh, that is pretty mediocre. Jill, what? what do you think of Chris at this emo trash saying, man, I'm really going to spend the next several months hating the way the Marys pronounce Graham on Twitter Ooh. to you today? I feel bad. And also, didn't you just say it wrong? Yeah, I refuse. What? what? Wait, what is it? Well, it's Graham. Graham. It's a two syllable word in the uk oh. graham? us dumb americans say yeah. graham so is jaguar <laughs> ja- or, no they 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 That's do three, three. jaguar jaguar <laughs> not jaguar we worked really hard on clara versus clara even when the doctor refused to <laughs> distinguish between the two that's where we draw the line we can't just naturally say graham it's never gonna happen so sorry chris Ugh. Chris, we're sorry. <laughs> we love you. We'll see you in the future when <laughs> when Graham leaves the show. How I, do they how do they refer to Instagram? Do they say uh, see me on my grave in the middle? You dumb fuck. <laughs> uh, so it's the same fucking yeah, word. So putting letters in words changes how you pronounce them. <laughs> eh. Apparently yeah. not in America because they're have, they're pronounced the same. I went to college with a dude named Graham. And he now lives in Seattle, and he's a pilot, so he goes to Starbucks a lot, apparently. And he always has photos on Facebook of, like, Starbucks spelling his name wrong every single oh, yeah. day. And it's hilarious. Like, the they just butcher his name. No one ever gets it right. <laughs> but maybe it's because he says Graham. He doesn't say yeah. Graham. There's a podcast I listen to that's Canadian with one of the hosts is Graham. And he goes by Graham, but... Canada has, like, stronger links to British than we do. And when he was growing up, more in the middle of the country, there was a lot of Graham-Graham debates. So that's the only reason I know that's a thing, is because I listen to a different podcast. It's like, I know someone who has a kid named Graham, and it's Graham. Like, Grandma. (laughs) Graham. I feel like with this Graham, it's more comforting to be Graham. But they also don't like hard pronounce the H. So they're just adding a syllable between vowels, which is impossible for an American tongue. It's true. Check my tongue. <laughs> uh, Cody, what'd you think? I <clears throat> I hate it. It's bad. Sam? Um, I watched it during nap time and I did not nap, so... That's, that's definitely an accolade for sure. Yeah, so I, I thought it was pretty entertaining, <laughs> interesting. 
we should say for the listeners that uh, Sam is now podcasting for two, so or with two. <laughs> She's got a baby on her person. Not... So if there's some weird noises coming from her end, <laughs> live with it. She's got a baby. Fuck off. No longer in. Now out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terry? I really enjoyed this one. There was a lot of different storylines to follow, and it was incredibly fast-paced, and I liked it a lot. Jake, what'd you think? <laughs> Thanks, Cody. Um, if you listen to mine and Alex's original podcast on this story, you would think it's the worst episode that I ever episoded. But I didn't have as... I had an okay time with it today. Um, I really liked the first 10 minutes. Um, there's definitely a part in the middle where... I probably fell asleep, and I was on the treadmill at the time, so it was really dangerous. <laughs> Were you just in a bad place two years ago? Uh, it it <laughs> took me a while to kind of figure out what the show is under Chris Chibnall, because it's definitely different. And it's more of a change than from RTD to Moffat, I think, or at least a change in a different kind of direction. And so it was just, uh, took me a little while. And also, this episode is terrible, like, but it's just not as bad as I thought it was three years ago. You're not wrong. Alex, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a romp. There, there was, I, there was some good stuff, but I don't think it was all around good. Um, well, since we're on you, what is some of that good stuff? Um, I, I missed, I must've missed it the first time, but I liked their, I liked the whole like, um, Sonic mine for some reason, just that event, throwing them into this like medical shuttle was pretty cool. I I liked it as like a device to get them somewhere. So you're a big fan of the first nine seconds. Well, I mean, that was one thing. You asked for cool stuff. I thought, you know, I just start at the time. I know, I'm making fun of the episode, not you. Oh, why gotcha, gotcha. did Why was there a mine in the garbage place that brings them to a hospital ship? Just a piece of garbage that got thrown away? Well, the doctors also said, oh, this has got to be someone's cruel joke or something like that. It's like the same reason why uh, people throw cigarettes down cracks in the in the cement and then get blown up because there's a bunch of methane down there (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say it's why people paint bowling balls to look like soccer balls when they're at music festivals oh Uh, the brutality don't kick a ball if it's not yours Mm -hmm. give it a little test kick and then absolutely kick it (laughs) (laughs) nudge it a little give it a little just uh see where you're at with it Tap, tap, tap <laughs> Uh I didn't take any notes, so someone go. Oh. I, the monster was adorable. Why did he have to be bad? The he wasn't bad. I, he, he, was, he was just doing his thing. He was being him. Yeah, uh, he's not hold, like evil hold bad. The fucking, he murdered an entire armada. Not him, <laughs> but his race. Yeah, but say like a tiger eats a whole village. Like... They're just looking for food. <laughs> They're not the like tiger. inherently evil. Yeah. That's not Alex unreasonable. On and the Pating just eats 
non-organic stuff it just happens to be that there's people living inside of that non-organic stuff yeah and floating in space it's their fault for being in space they should stay at home where they're where they belong <laughs> yeah. right also, but you have to factor in the common empathy for other living creatures so maybe not evil but clearly psychopathic but it's not like a um conscientious being it's literally just an animal Whoa. Yeah. Which can apparently survive you, in open you space. You goddamn bigot. <laughs> also, I love the name Pating. Just Pating. It's, yeah. it's cute. It matches. Ting well, and to go. burn a fun fact, this is the only episode ever where the monster is credited as having been created by somebody who never wrote for the show. So it was Tim Price got the credit for creating the Pating. And he was apparently in the like we talked last week about the writers' room and how uh, Chibnall had one. You know, it seems like up to a year and a half to two years before they ever started shooting the show. And this guy was like one of the early writers in there, throwing around ideas. But he, when it came time, he just wasn't available to actually write for the show. Oh. And so he threw out the name Pating. They all thought it was funny, and so he gets credit with uh, creating it. Get a shift on. That's pretty cool. I, I really liked the um, the computer uh, dossier, I guess, of the Pating and how like the delivery of that was like just so straightforward, but also like really grim. <laughs> it it right. was just cool. It keeps saying like, well, we would we tried to get more information, but anyone who went near a Pating died. <laughs> like you can't yeah. you can't capture it. You can't get near it. So it's just all we know is it's really, really dangerous. I was half expecting the Pating to eat Ronin because he's that android. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I why really didn't thought he? that was going to happen. Why did he? Or they do... were going to be like related oh, somehow. Because wasn't Ronin, he was like a biological android, right? Like a, like wasn't he something it's from like her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Android oh, clone or okay. something. So maybe, maybe that's why. I really like the idea of a hospital or ambulance like thing in space. It's kind of cool. Okay, I don't really like it, but I thought it was neat. I like the design of the ship. That was sweet. The design of the the doctor, or I guess medics. They were medics, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, their design was cool too. Like the the clothing, and then like the like the hand dealy bops with the lights on them. Yeah, and also, then her tattoos too were really fun. Yeah. Also, can we uh, rate the bangitude of the doctor? Not not the doctor, female The first doctor. medic. The medic, yes. Yeah, the medic dude. Oh, super banging. Jill, oh my god. So Jill sad he died. Him. <laughs> Jill wanted him in, in Team TARDIS. I did. I asked for him. He was I think the they need one. only character we saw in this episode that like developed an attachment immediately. Yeah, that's why he must die. Right? <laughs> so let's just fucking kill this dude. It's so sad. So sad. I thought they were just going to jettison him. I thought he j was just going to be floating in space. Like, maybe he'll live. But no, they're like, also... <sighs> Goodbye. His last uh, word, or not word of confidence, but last like monologue to his colleague was pretty cool. I thought, yeah. which was I didn't what? Like and he put the doctor in her place. He was cool and calm and 
great at his job. What's not to like about this guy? Yeah, Jill, it was when he was just messaging the other medic before he got jettisoned, saying, I can't get back. I know you're great. I believe in you. Um, just trust your instincts, like that kind of stuff. And it was it was cool. Aww. You can do it. Since we briefly mentioned the design of the spaceship or the hospital or the ambulance ship or whatever, I'm going to read a tweet here by James Courtney from Mr. J.A. Courtney said, let's see if I can be nice this week. Uh, they managed <laughs> to produce a nice TARDIS console room and then made it the engine room of this ship instead. Seriously, though, the set yeah. design is wonderful. Uh, yeah, I I had never thought about that. And then I was like, yeah, that would have been a great TARDIS console. You know, you throw up, uh, you know, some round shit and a couple chairs and it's fucking great yeah i i did have that thought when i was watching it's like oh it's kind of circle with the console in the middle like the tardis could be i don't know if that was like a parallel but yeah it, i agree i think it would be sweet uh just to finish up james's tweet he then says okay niceness over we're halfway into the series now and i still don't feel like i know all the main characters and the relationships well have graham and yaz even had a conversation yet I still don't have a proper grasp of the Doctor's character either. Herein lies the rub. Are you ready for this? Okay. Ready. Rub us. So it doesn't feel like they're they're creating this environment with these multiple storylines. It feels like the writer's like, fuck, I made all these people. What are they all going to do? I need to make these completely non-canonical but loosely attached to the main story problems for other people to solve and go off and do their own thing. So you get like these tiny little tidbits of shit that you can barely understand to the entire story that they're trying to produce. So, like, the story is there's this medical ship, right? And it's flying around, and they just so happen to be in the path of the Doctor and Fred's in this sonic bomb. Okay, so we're going to pick you up and we're going to save your life. Except for the company that owns this medical ship that saves lives, apparently, like, free of cost. There's no, like, real cost to the Doctor or anything that we can see. They will just fucking blow you up at the drop of a hat if there's a couple alarms. A couple of Well, I mean, we well, would do that if uh, if a seven forty seven is hijacked and we know it, they're shoot they're shooting missiles at it. They're not going to let it land, right? Or if uh, a cruise ship with a known uh, virus on it is crashing into the into the harbor, they're going to shoot it down. So you're using the word known, and there's nothing fucking known. There's no evidence. Like, everything you guys talked about is, is shit like, okay, uh, somebody called us and said this is what's happening. And they're just like, nah. Oh, when we say when we say they would do this, we mean in science fiction. In, okay. Because it's what they do in movies. Yeah, it just, it, it, it really breaks the environment for me. I think it was completely unnecessary to have that sort of danger looming. The monster really kind of seemed like not a, a like a problem, but not a problem. I don't know. I didn't. Everything we know about this creature is that it's the most dangerous creature. Yeah, and it's about but to the go only to thing planet. we see about this creature is it just eats shit. It just eats all the metal shit, and it's gonna it's going to the core of the ship to eat the dark matter. And like we hear these tales that this monster just fucking obliterates cultures, <laughs> and because it's insatiable and can't be killed yeah and it's it's going for the power sources like that's what it wants it's need it wants power like that drained it from the sonic and it's 
adding towards the core because that's where the largest amount of power is and your ships aren't going to be able to do anything without power so that's probably why a lot of the armadas died as well because then like nothing was powering the oxygen or shields or anything like that and they just died on their own so the creature is just completely unstoppable and i'm pretty sure yes says at one point that she just got rid of it i mean she she hunted it it down the (laughs) hallway yeah in yeah, Incredible. they put a thing around. They put it like a stasis beam around it, which totally works for a minute, and then she chucks it in the garbage disposal. Well, she just kicked um, it down yeah. the hallway. Yeah, but... what's kicking it yeah, down the hallway really gonna do? She just was getting it away from the engines. Well, just like she was doing what she was doing. Every time it comes to the engines, just kick it. <laughs> that is a great plan. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is right, Cody. It's just they. I am glad that the pating isn't like the only danger because then it's kind of a a one note story instead it's a two note story <laughs> yeah and i was i was gonna disagree on that point is that um like i liked them together as as a as an obstacle because one fueled the other like the bating was eating the ship and they only had so much time to get to port but they couldn't take the shortest route to port because port would be like well you're hijacked and we don't want whatever you got on our ship or on our station yeah but and by by introducing this second threat, you know immediately, oh, we've just solved the problem by the second threat eliminating the first threat or them eliminating each other. Like, it's how all storytelling works and especially yeah. all Doctor Who stories. I mean, it's the Cybermen and the Daleks. What do we do? We'll get them to fight each other. And then we get the the dude who's having a baby who the first thing <laughs> we find out is the dude doesn't want to have the baby. And it just immediately makes yeah. you not give a shit about this guy's storyline. But then he, he <laughs> comes to... Makes me care to, about the baby storyline. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I just learned Ryan is still kind of a dick. Oh my god, I hate Ryan so much. It's just not a fan. They're Fucking... building up for a moment for sorry, Ryan and... For Ryan and Graham to have a heartwarming moment. I, it has to happen. I'm... I'll and bet. so you have to I'll, have I'll all of these negative times to make it be wonderful. Special. To like just like really build season. that up. Okay. I'm good with that. As long as that I happens. I hate it. They had a nice moment last week with Graham like being mad at his dad for using the phrase proper family. And he's like just short of saying Graham's my proper family. So fuck off. But they're attacked by a giant spider. So like that happened. And now we're taking a step backwards because he just won't. Like, also, not fist-pumping Graham is kind of a in-joke between the two of them in itself, so it could be taken as not really being that mean. It could just be a little chuckle that they both have. Oh, yeah, I, look I like just, they're I chuckling. That. It <laughs> seemed like Graham was maybe the only one who was maybe taking that as a joke. It's like watching your parents dab. <laughs> You're like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but if it requires your participation in the dab and you don't, that's still seen as like a negative. I just don't like Ryan. We were like halfway through the story and I was like, is Ryan even here? And then they zoomed out. I was like, oh yeah, there he is. Okay, he just isn't doing anything. Got it. I do like Ryan saying, like, I can never create life. And Yaz goes, he's right. He can't. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work that way. He there are correct. some fun zingers in here. A lot of them from Graham. Graham's just straight logical comedy is the bee's knees. We should have been re- that species. 
I do really like Graham's little conversation with um, Durkis when he kind of busts him trying to go through the medical records. He has a little heart dart with him. Like, Graham's just the dad, like the wizened old man who just has the right thing to say at the right time. Mm hmm. Everybody I, likes I will Graham. say, I will say, I did like Ryan better in this episode because he helped that pregnant dude um, kind of come to terms with, you know, being a dad. And I thought that was cool and interesting because um, Graham has had issues with his dad. So I don't know. That's true. We're really grinding into Ryan's background and Ryan's family. And I feel Yaz like it was kind just of go a fuck selfish up. thing as, of Ryan because he was like, I didn't have a dad. You have to be a dad for this kid because right. I didn't yeah. have a dad. So you need to do it. Yeah. Which I'm not. I really a fan just like of. that whole storyline because I feel like this story is kind of sending the wrong message. Like, if you know you can't take care of a child, giving it away to someone who can sometimes is a good option. And I feel like this story kind of treats that option like it's um, bad. Right. Yeah, that's not very nice. Yeah, but but coming from Ryan though, he all he wanted was his dad to just be there, and so that was his whole thing. It's like you could do this; you just need to be there, and then yeah, we all got problems, Ryan. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> well, also, I like the parallel. God, the, yeah, I thought it was neat. The rate of pregnancy on how quickly that thing developed, like what what happened? <laughs> I'm sure Sam would like murder anyone to be able to have a baby in a week. <laughs> the, the sheer stretch marks. Right? And how do you prep anything in a week? I can't even get my life together yeah, in a Amazon week. Amazon can't no deliver fucking anything in a week. What? We didn't have Pod Baby 1 out of his room by the time Pod Baby 2 came. And that was nine months. So, uh. <laughs> Good luck with the week. I think they just wanted to flesh out something new, like a new race. And this was their defining right. factor. I kind of want to know what his backstory was. Like, was this a frat party that just went wrong and now he's pregnant? Like, I don't know what's going on. No, you said it was like a one night stand. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the nice thing was, is when they cut him open, he's got no pain receptors or anything. So it's like an easy pregnancy, like delivery. So that was. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no pain receptors in the baby sack. <laughs> I still don't so know could... what a birth bud is. We ne- we'll never right. know. We'll, we'll never know. That was just a thing. That's too bad. I was curious. <laughs> Until we get big finish, the birth bud adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs to know. Nobody will know. They're gonna know. They're gonna know. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I kind of just don't like it in episodes when like someone dies and then like a baby is born and it's like oh my god there's equality in the weird universe where someone's gone and someone else just came in and took their spot welcome to life terry i'm sorry but i just how life works just hate it because now it's like well wait is the general now in this baby like i'm confused that's how my brain works no one else thinks that way i didn't get that (laughs) here at all that's literally how my brain oh. <laughs> saw this episode. Like, one great. has died and one <laughs> should rise anew. Yeah, you got a bad brain. Do you think souls are just high fiving on the way in and out? <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, Did you well, see they're the not movie? fist bumping because that never works. <laughs> well said. Uh, passion fruited sent passion fruit sent a jar candle at b underscore bird underscore moth says, 
as hard to enjoy as it is hard to say three times quickly. <laughs> Not offensively bad or anything, just utterly boring. A couple ideas I like, but nothing is executed well. This and the Ghost Monument are probably as bad as it gets with this kind of poor quality. Okay, I'm glad somebody else could put the words to why it's just not the greatest episode. Because as my, I've been sitting here really pondering why I don't like it. And the answer is I just don't fucking like it. It just felt <laughs> like, yeah, boring. Yeah. I like that word. Yep. Just you know, not I, really I also cohesive. said that at the beginning. It's hard. It's really fucking hard to impress. Well, specifically here, me. But I would assume... Like the current generation of TV watchers who have these amazing shows at the click of a button. And like if you're going to compare any of those with this episode, it's just, man, it's just not quite there. But there are still a large group of people who will, like for me and my friends, it's like on a Sunday, whatever the Sunday night HBO prestige show is. Like before the pandemic, I would go over to my friend's house and every, every Sunday night... Go a little early, say hi to the kids, maybe have some dinner. And it's like the Sunday night HBO show, that's what we're watching. And so there are like a large group of people where it's like the Saturday or Sunday night BBC drama, whatever it is, they're just watching it. And so it's not really, it's not like discerning. There are a group of fans who, of everything, who are like searching out those things. But there's also a huge chunk of people who are just like, at this time, this is when I watch TV because those are the two hours a weekend I have, and it doesn't really matter what's on. Is that a defense? No, I'm just saying that, like, like that's the people watching it aren't, like, apart from the fans, aren't, like, the discernible viewers most most tv watchers i guess actually i'm just agreeing with you is really what i'm doing <laughs> i would just say like yeah the people watching it are dumb <laughs> and the people watching other things are the good people and we should go hang out with them it's the where it feels like we're in the golden age of like televised mediums and it's like tv shows right now are as good as they've ever been so this episode it just uh it doesn't meet the bar uh, but there's funny, Graham's funny. <laughs> Actually, all the, the TV critics, they say we're post-Golden Age. We're post-Golden Age? They yeah, should the watch... Golden fucking... Age was like Sopranos, Breaking Bad, um, Mad Men, that kind of era. Yeah, well, I, I doubt it. I don't think because so. It, there, well, it's just in, the, in that it created what TV is now. Like, it was a jump. Whereas, like, yeah. from that era to now might be a progression, but it's not, like, a huge leap. Right. renaissance type deal. I get that. I'm excited to see what they're going to do to get back to the TARDIS. Yeah. I, yeah, I wrote already that back. down. They're, they're never... already back. They're already back? Wait, how? Yeah. At the very end, she's talking She's talking to the medic, and the, she says, okay, so after... After we dock, they'll ask you some questions, and then we already got you booked on a flight that's going to take you back to the place where the TARDIS is. Yeah. Well, yeah, if it's still there, if yeah. no one okay. else has come by. We start next episode in the TARDIS. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> oh, they already oh, have it. Boo. He's just setting Spoilers! <laughs> it's not a spoiler. You should have just inferred that. It would be ridiculous to think we're going to have a whole episode of getting back to the TARDIS when yeah, we I just had one. This doctor is everywhere. I feel like she would enjoy that. Chris at this emo trash says... 
I don't think I've watched this since the original air date. So far in the Chibnall era, there seems to be a running theme of a very small cast. We basically only ever have our main team and then a few side characters. Never any extras that only get like one line, besides the salad man in episode one. Feels very small and closed off from the rest of the universe. When this was first broadcast, my immediate reaction was that it's one of the worst episodes I've ever seen. And whilst I may enjoy it slightly more, me and Chris should do a podcast. You guys should all go fuck off. Probably. Uh, it probably won't go up much higher in any rankings. The Pating, I felt, probably has a lot of potential, but is ultimately an utterly boring creature that's better off as a subplot than the main monster. Maybe it was aimed at younger children? This, like a couple of episodes previous is very explicit in the running theme of family and how much family matters. The pregnant man could be great, but the actor wasn't the best. I can't really remember anything else that happened, so when I rewatch, I'll probably have new thoughts, but by then you'll have recorded, so fuck it. <laughs> also, <laughs> starting the first watch through for his podcast tonight, aiming for the first episode to be out the first week of March, so stay tuned. And I believe that ep- that podcast is going to be called Five Rounds Rapid. Um, so by the time this comes out, that will... That hopefully will have aired, so uh, go look for that. Nice. And a guy. Uh, we're watching the Simo Trash grow. You know, that is a good point with the Pating being boring. It's kind of the same argument you have with Superman because he's so indestructible. It's just boring. Like, woohoo. Yeah, that's why good won. Superman stories are Clark Kent stories, not Superman stories. Well, like, in the yeah. same sense that you could just, like, kick Superman away from the thing he's trying to... It's just... Like, why do... Why do we care? Why do we care? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Fuck. I still really like this episode, and I think the Pating was a really fun monster, and just... The idea of, like, who knows how many of these things are out there. Like, there could be a full planet, or there's just all those asteroids are patings. You don't know. Don't fucking start with the whole there's more of them argument again. I don't know. But (laughs) I I really enjoyed it. And just the how much of a challenge this creates for the doctor right away. Like, immediately the safety pods are gone. It's able to break through shields and everything. And then... When she's trying to Sonic it, she's already lost her Sonic. She has no TARDIS. And she's basically down to just her own wits without any extra technology on her side for most of the episode. Like, it's really fun seeing her being challenged that way while also trying to not have everyone else freak out and die on her as well. Like, I really thought she did really well in this episode. Who's that? I wasn't listening. I did. I did enjoy those parts, Terry. Uh, like I, I wrote down as like the whole episode was kind of like uh, they were dropped in the situation. And they were just reacting the whole time. Like it wasn't like a normal Doctor Who episode, kind of. If you know what I mean. It. I don't know. It felt. Isn't that every different. Doctor Who episode? Yeah, but it. In most other Doctor Who episodes, the Doctor feels more in control, whereas this one, oh. I don't know. It just felt different and more reactive and, like, just bonkers. Yeah, I will agree with Terry. I do think Jody was awesome in this one. Yeah. I assume that's who you were talking about, Terry. Sorry, I was going through tweets trying to find a good one to put after you're done talking to fuse with what you're saying. I just really think that the, the cast was small, that you got to know everyone's 
own problems or the medical reasons why they were there and just how they all play together in this story compared to it being like a full floating hospital in the sky or anything like that. Um, but like just the writing and the, um, the working off of each other and everything like the story was still really good. Yes. Some things could have been tuned up or fixed, but I still think it was a good episode. I think my favorite part was the whole time the doctor was being the worst patient. I thought that was just funny. I I thought it started out funny, but then it kind of it got a little bit obnoxious because it was constant. It was definitely repaired by that medic's acting for sure. But at some point, you're just like fucking, and especially when it comes to the culmination where the doctor's like, "Yeah, you're right." Like, fuck yeah, he was right. He was right for the last ten minutes. You keep screaming, "Ouch!" Just walking around. <laughs> But I think that that's the new doctor kind of feel is like, I I think this is just this is stubborn doctor. Kind of like Capaldi was, but just get the fuck out of her way kind of thing. But maybe <laughs> I think we'll any doctor separated from the TARDIS is a little different unless there's like a super hot chick there. Then David Tennant's just like, well, I live in France now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He was just a hound dog. The CGI, the pating was really good. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And it's a great Funko Pop. Oh, Aww. do you have it? Oh, I bet. You're goddamn right I have That's it. That's where I recognize damn, I gotta, it from. I gotta Google Post the Funko pick. Pop. Cuter Funko Pop than the uh, teeth guy face. Oh, God. No, this <laughs> is so I don't know. So the ugly. Funko Pop with teeth guy face is kind of cute. No. Because oh. it doesn't look like teeth. All right, so we're committing Jake. Gross. <laughs> I mean, unless if you don't like think of it as teeth and just like a fun little cartoony thing. <laughs> okay. Nicovora's focus at jury of underscore one says, despite this being a Chibnall episode, the side characters are thinly sketched with the comic relief pregnant man being the only real source of emotional tension. In spite of this, I find this app quite enjoyably bad with its strange pacing and weird dialogue. Plus, the batting works quite well. I think it's a good design and a fun idea of a monster. Guys, do I think this is a good episode because I watch really bad movies all the time? I would say yes. 100%. This motherfucker, over the last two days, watched <laughs> The Mummy and The Scorpion King. I don't think those movies... Yeah, what's wrong Actually, no, that? those That's... movies are on par with this episode, actually. like The Mummy's, <laughs> the mummy's fine, super enjoyable for an 11 year old the scorpion king's straight up terrible real bad yeah it was really bad <laughs> but it's not like so bad you can never watch it it's just you watch it and you're like that's bad <laughs> wasn't that the rocks foray into making a bunch of movies i think so yeah yeah that doesn't make it good <laughs> i liked it <laughs> just are you just thinking of the Mummy Returns in which he appears? No. Oh, no, God. I, I, that well, one I liked, was bad. I liked both of Mummy Returns is good. You fuck off. No, I mean, it's good, but he looked bad in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was some uh, Lazarus experiment shit. Yeah, they didn't have Pating money. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they didn't have 2018 technology? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Holm at Matt Holm Zero says, love the Pating. Nice. Ting's great. He doesn't even follow us. I don't know how he that's it, <laughs> answered huh? this. I, yeah, nice. That's 
crazy where we it's that the ads the ads that i put out on billboards oh appreciate that you're welcome uh the metal whovian at the metal whovian says it's a solid base under siege by a powerful force of nature i love the doctor geeking out over the anti-matter drive definitely underrated imo it is underrated that's a good way to put that. Pating wasn't evil. It was just a force of nature. It was a hurricane. Like, hurricanes aren't evil. It just happens. That Yeah, that mindset of the whole thing is... That jives way better. Yeah. But it, like there that. needs to be a monster. There can't be a force of nature. So, wrong. <laughs> well, there doesn't need to be a monster. There just needs to no be something they can space. sell. There ain't no nature in space. A uh, woman in a TARDIS at Jody's TARDIS 13 says, I really enjoy it. It's one I watch over and over. The Pating is amazing. Favorite scenes, favorite scenes. Doctor's so desperate to find her TARDIS. She's willing to destroy the ship in the process until Astos pointed it out to her and her geeking out over the antimatter reactor. That oh, was a really good no. scene. Sorry, I'm not your favorite character on this <clears throat> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't think I read this one, but speaking of that same scene, James Bam- James Bamford at James Bamford 01 says, Great little story, mini Troughton-style base under siege, nice bit of physics, and the Batang is brilliant. Job done. Okay, we need to silence the... Well, it's not an echo chamber. We had some naysayers in here. I think It was we've... mostly naysayers. Yeah, we've we've just reached the true Doctor Who fandom, which I think... James there is a STEM ambassador, so if the science is right, he'd be the one to know. Hell yeah, that's cool. I I did like because he's talking about or they they're talking about the reactor bit, right? Like where they kind of go into the physics of everything. Yeah, I I thought that was really cool. According to the TARDIS wiki, all the science there is right except that the Doctor says um, antimatter either created or collected. If you create antimatter, the amount of energy you get from it is the same amount of energy that it would take to create it, so it's a wash. So you could really only use antimatter that you've collected. That's according to the TARDIS wiki. I don't know or care. Yeah. Same. But it makes sense. Sounds right. I believe it. Wiki never lies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says... I'm not even sure where to start with this one. It's enjoyable, but admittedly, not the strongest. This feels like a classic base under sea story, though without an actual villain. If anything, at the start, the Doctor acts the worst of any of them. I like that we see the Doctor as flawed in this. It's always nice to see them presented as not the infallible hero, but as a rounded character who acts out and makes mistakes. And the confidence in her line about the Book of Celebrants is great. I did like that. Illustrating that so well. Again, all of the characters are so well fleshed out, but Team TARDIS do seem to have little to do with the actual plot. Graham and Ryan helping Yoss is lovely, and it's nice to have a light subplot with humor, but I'm not sure how much it actually adds to the story. Yaz actually gets some things to do in this, and I like the pairing of her in 13, but I would have liked her role to have been more than just the audience surrogate. This is an incredibly short review, but by my standards, I know, but I hope that doesn't reflect too badly on the story. It was weaker, but you gotta run a good episodes next with a couple of absolutely amazing ones, so can't wait for you to get to them. And here, the pilot for Companion Podcast came out yesterday, uh, if you're listening to this, three weeks ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
and there is a little spoiler in there for the marrieds um i listened to it just before we started so like around 13 minutes to 15 minutes the 13 to 15 minute mark just go ahead and skip that there's a slight ryan and graham spoiler um but i listened to it today it was great and it's an awesome premise and i'm super excited for the rest of their podcast going forward it's uh ollie and lily are the hosts and they focus on companions of the doctor and individual episodes are focused on individual companions it's awesome nice sounds like I a got great premise to to. it's called companion piece i didn't say that companion piece Very <laughs> the only reason i didn't listen to it when it came out is because i'm off work this week so i don't uh sit on my phone all day like i do when i'm at work <laughs> yikes <laughs> hey alex yeah give me that mrs j theme song yeah truly inspired <laughs> i got excited that was a good one that was awesome it was that was uh, probably the best gasped. one so far you're supposed to let us gasp <laughs> mrs before you start j <gasps> the legend the, one the legend the that is mrs j says the doctor nerding over the antimatter drive is a classic doctor who moment a perfect example of this traveler who loves examples of ingenuity assas and mabley were good guest characters but i didn't connect to the others the Pating is a bloody legend. Congrats on Pod Baby 2. Hey, thank you, Mrs. J. What makes the Pating a bloody legend? Because he's a bloody legend. All yeah. right. <laughs> Superman of the universe. <laughs> Get shift on. Another one? Yeah, it's one of like yeah. the four things they made a Funko Pop out of from this season. Well, oh. There's two Jody Doctor ones. Her in her regular outfit, and then her in the apron and the goggles when she makes the screwdriver. There's the Pating, Toothface Man, and a Kerblam Man, which we haven't seen yet. Kerblam Man. I feel like they just make a Funko Pop out of every unique monster that appears on this show. That'd be fucking nice, but they didn't make one for last season at all. And there's still a whole bunch of classic Doctors they haven't done, and a whole bunch of new Who companions they haven't done. Jake, you would have no money. You need them I to don't need skip money. something. He needs Funko Pops. <laughs> yeah, what do I need money for? I just sit in my house all day. We keep brushing over Jody's outfit, but we need to talk about those boots. Somebody <laughs> needs em. to talk to the costumer and throw those boots away, kick them into the hallway with the pating. They're terrible. <laughs> Jettison into space. <laughs> those are the worst boots what's I've wrong, ever What's seen. wrong with those boots? They're like super chunky. So with her weird gaucho capris, which aren't the worst, the boots are just ridiculous. Like they're out of place. There's no way she can move in them. I think that's the point though, right? She looks like a tiny person. Like she shouldn't have giant chunky boots. What are those boots called? Like Doc Martens or whatever? Or are those different boots? I think those are different boots. These are, they look very tactical boots, um, which is kind of what I talked about when we first looked at her new outfit. But again, like she's a very active doctor. And I think it just met, it's kind of like a reflection of what Tennant was in his uh, tennis shoes in a suit. 
Mm. Um, yeah. And like, it's the same kind of thing going on here too. Like she's, again, she's a thrift store doctor and these were the best boots that she could find. I'm guessing. I feel like, I feel like they're kind of punk looking. Like, is it? They're Steve Madden's. Is it, is it over? Is it carryover from, uh, from Capaldi? Capaldi? Yeah. I mean, didn't he have kind of boots like that? Yeah, but I think it's kind of strategic. Like, you don't want to go something that's super girly. And if you're wearing the capris, you need something that's high. You can't go Converse because Tenant did. She already gets compared to Tenant enough. So you need boots. And if you're going to go boots, why not John Men's? Not John Men's, Steve Men's. Steve Men's. One thing we haven't talked about at all is the brother-sister duo in this story. Anyone give a shit about them at all? Where do I know that actor, the brother? Oh, He's right, a rapper. His name's Doc Brown. Oh. He looks super familiar. He, he does He does a fair bit of acting. Oh, he's in a season of Taskmaster that I'm sure I've made you watch a couple episodes yes, of. Yes, you are right. Yes, that is what it was. Yeah, he's in season two of Taskmaster. That's how I know him. Um, and so it was really weird watching it this time as opposed to last time, having no idea who that dude was. But, uh, my only note on any of the actors having looked them all up was Doc Brown's IMDb has a picture of Ricky Gervais as his profile picture because he was like in the David Brent newest thing that came out. Like, Hey doc, get your shit together, get your team to fix your IMDb (laughs) so that your profile is not a picture of Ricky Gervais. That is weird. Fix, please. I am I the only one that like when it came time for the girl to die was like, yeah, okay. I, I thought no, she was you're cool. Not the only one. I she she was a badass pilot. Yeah, they, she was. They just like what? How was that even developed? Somebody just said she was a badass pilot. She said. Yeah, she but they was. said it a lot. Her history. She was a, a general and commanded armadas. <laughs> Yeah, she kept telling us. I I know. Yeah, yeah that, that's what they said. <laughs> what? There, there's a there's a thing to, called uh, show do you don't have tell. To, do you have to witness someone doing something to believe that they did it? No, but there's a better way of storytelling, and that is the worst way of storytelling. They should have been introduced to the ship through something like that, other than just five times saying, well, she used to be a really good pilot. And then in the end, it turns out any asshole could do it. I was going to say, I'll give it to them that the doctor did, like, was impressed when she met her. Right, but that's what that's what Cody's saying by show, don't tell. Yeah. It's, you could just sit in a room with five people and say what everyone's good at and then say ready, break, and everyone goes and solves the problem. And I it's mean, a really boring show. be better than if everyone had flashbacks to all of their lives so you can see what's going on? <laughs> Actually, no, you... maybe, yes, that would be brilliant. Like, between <laughs> conversations between her and her brother. Or, like, even, like, remember that one time back on this planet when the Ting attacked us here? Or, like, go over the thing. The problem is they can't. Because they packed this yeah. fucking episode with 12 subplots that there's no way they could have fleshed any single one of them. Yeah, we're not saying there there's a better way to do it. We're just saying, like, who cares? So, in... In uh, argument of that, I'm thinking back to when the first time we met Jack Harkness 
and the only thing we knew are things he told us, and we still fucking loved him. Jack Harkness backed everything up with yeah. other character development things. Like, we didn't love Jack Harkness because he's this amazing captain. We loved him because yeah. he's this plucky, doesn't give a fuck. We loved him because of them dimples. And the dimples? <laughs> yeah. He's this huge character. And, like, every time we see this girl, she's just droll. I really liked her, though, when she got hooked up in the um, flight simulator thing or whatever that was like yeah. and her face lit up so much which is like oh, yeah, I she's have definitely this. a good actor well yeah but i mean like just just a terrible part i remember thinking that when that scene came up i was like this episode didn't fucking start until that scene happened and then i was like <laughs> okay i believe things now like this is interesting and exciting something's happening and she, like, became believable. And then she died. And I was like, whatever. Which I actually thought her death would have caused more havoc with the ship since she was piling in it. That, Is that like, how we're pronouncing that now? No. Shush. <laughs> Cry <laughs> havoc. Yeah. Gray um, uh, makes havoc. havoc. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that, like, if there would have been more turbulence or, like, like gone a kilter or like and the bomb was then sliding around and like or something like that like something bigger should have happened to realize that she was having her heart issues and it was just sad that like they get rid of the pating and then come back and then she's on the ground and it's like oh like she didn't have like a big anything it was just like a just swapped out and then she decided to lie down and die and it's like okay good man she didn't have to die either her big her big thing was her and her brother like saying that they they do love each other as siblings like i mean that was that was a big thing <laughs> right I guess. but the the brother's journey is that like he's mad the whole time that his sister never um like acknowledges him and because he's just an engineer and she's a hero and it ends with him taking control of the ship and flying it to safety. Also that. But but that should have happened when she was alive. Like yeah. he should have taken over to save her and then successfully done it because there's no point in having a journey. It Like his journey is to get his sister's approval and him her just saying like, hey, good job. You made this rig, which is just your fucking job. <laughs> I guess you're pretty good. <laughs> Her job is just to fly the thing, and she did it. Great, woo. <laughs> right, but she doesn't need. She doesn't need a journey. She's already a celebrity. Like she's already a hero. She's where she's gonna be. There's no uh, story journey for her to have. Her character doesn't have anywhere to go, and yeah. so like a hero sacrificing herself is like that's what we expect to happen. So it should be subverted by either her brother sacrificing herself himself maybe he has the same condition because they're related or him just flying it successfully and earning her admiration just staring at her the whole time going you will not die <laughs> take these right. adrenaline blockers yeah and i don't like how there was a line where it's like it takes some people months to figure out a fly shit like this and he just jumps in and does it it makes no is sense. that engineering training well, he said something about like I was I'm a Dirkus or whatever that's his first name, whatever their last name is. He's like I'm a this like or Cicero, so like I've been training my whole life. So like you would think that 
because of their family, he's had a lot of flight training. It just wasn't his career path. I might have to get a clicker for Chibnall X Machinas, though. <laughs> but yeah, just having this conversation has made me even more mad at this episode now that I've realized right. how it should like, have been. <laughs> as you were talking about that, I was like, this sounds like a way better episode. <laughs> All right, Alex, give me that MVP theme song. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? I'm gonna give it to. Uh, I'm gonna give it to the doctor. Okay, but who's your MVP? She was good. <laughs> Jill's got <laughs> jokes. Holy shit, Jill, who's your MVP? The dude who's not credited as a writer, but made the pating. I like that. Ooh, Tim Price. Yeah, Tim, you uh, uh, let's go CGI for the pating. Because it was right. really good. I don't know if maybe a separate company was hired just for the pating. Um, that's something I'd have to delve into a little more. So I really just don't know <laughs> who to give that to, but... Whoever you are out there, well done. Your plaque's in the mail. <laughs> um, Cody, who you got? Who is the guy who played the abs- Absol? Absol? Are you saying Astros? The Astros? Astros. You know, with the no, ass? No R. No R. Just Astros. 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 Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein. Within the, like... Five minutes I got to watch that fucking guy. I was all in. Then they killed him. Doctor Close, but him first. <laughs> Terry? I'm actually going to give mine to Yaz. I thought she did really well with getting Ryan to open up about family. And she held her own. Like I feel like she did really well in this. I feel uh, like five she bucks kinda... if you could tell me the actor who plays Yaz's name. Mandem kill. Five dollars. <laughs> Not you. Okay, good job. Yeah, good job, Cody. Did you look that up? How did you know that? There's no <laughs> I... way you just knew that. He doesn't know the name of the person who played the ninth doctor. Our first doctor. Yeah. I work with a ton of East Indians and the name is super popular. So is Christopher. <laughs> no <laughs> I don't work with Christopher's though I, I work with Pardeeps yeah it only matters if it's in his immediate vicinity <laughs> It's I have a 35 minute and it always pops up for some reason I'll look away from the credits Mandip Gill will pop up and I'll be like huh and then I'll look away again I just always see that name in the credits and I know who the fuck it is because Mandip Gill is a very specific name all right what's ryan what's ryan's name the actor he's got a very specific name also uh no you cannot you can't fucking compare them they're not comparable he's got a really odd name it's not common at all i no i have no idea you just don't work with anyone named tosin i no i don't that is incredibly unique i don't even like isn't that a medicine pitocin pitocin oh Okay, Pitocin. I need, so, I need the Tussin. What is Tussin from, though? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. All right, guys. It is now time for a brand new game. 
Oh, thank you. Because you whiny bitches don't know how to put on a performance. It's going to be worse. It's going to be a worse game. game. No, it's a team game. A team game. You all get to work together. I have pulled together the most negative reviews of random episodes off of IMDb. And I'll read these reviews, leaving out certain details, and you, as a team, have to guess what the episode is based on these terrible reviews. <laughs> Tooth and claw. <laughs> oh, no. So we'll do a couple. I've got five here. We don't need to do all of them, but we can do some and see how it's going. Um, the first one, not a lot of terrible reviews. The lowest I could find was six out of ten, but it's still quite negative. The main reason I picked this one, it's not very fair to the writer who was Elo-Equipamentos27. Uh, English is not their first language, so this review is kind of funny. It's oh, also yeah. not their second, third, or fourth language oh, no. <laughs> based on this review. That's, <laughs> um, that's a lot of languages. Um, here we go. I, I'm... I was anxious about Doctor Who, mainly for a huge success on England, and when I heard that this series arrived in Brazil by Logon. So let's go to watch the first episode, the opening title, A Blonde Girl Trapped on Store and Running of Mannequins. Next, finds Doctor Who and save her, goes back to house and try find my computer, something about (laughs) and finds a person who looking for Doctor (laughs) Who and have clues through time in the ending. Both are fighting mannequin again. Sorry, very weak for the first episode. Let's go to the second. Rose. Rose. (laughs) I just like that review and wanted to read it. That was great. So I'm obsessed with the dude that does internet dramas, songs on TikTok, and he should definitely read Doctor Who reviews, it turns out. (laughs) Make them into songs. All right. This one's going to be a little harder. That one was kind of a gimme just to get us used to it. Um, This is a three out of ten review. Also written in 2017. The review is titled Subpar Subfloor. And they say, oh, this is written by Calaveras Grande 22. Um, And this is also the third of three paragraphs that they wrote. I skipped the first two. (laughs) Um, It's, in short, this is the kind of episode that a lot of the much younger fans, say between the ages of 8 and 16, probably love. While their parents are cringing and hiding their faces. This is where I think Moffat often misses the mark. I'd like to point out Moffat did not write this. Oh, no. <laughs> and it it was not during his time as the showrunner either. <laughs> uh, when the show pulls it off right, the whole family is enjoying it. The kids may not like the mushy romantic parts or the bitterly tragic parts, but they're still along for the ride. The grown-ups may not enjoy the corny stuff as much, but it's part of the overall story arc. I'd be happy to see this episode digitally remastered to remove the goddamn music and the silly Ghostbusters line replaced Ooh. with something a little oh, less That's dirty. the one where they're in the mansion and it's the they're psychic like... and the uh yeah. the creatures that are lovers in different dimensions. No, it's not. There's two episodes in which the doctor uses a Ghostbusters reference and oh. I did specifically say oh, it's not right. in the Moffat era, so it's not that one. That's the only Ghostbuster I remember. So back to his first paragraph. I'm assuming this is a dude because only a dude would write this. There are some things to like about this episode. The return of some classic enemies and some familiar faces from past episodes. But the cringe in this episode is strong. From the beginning, the corny Torchwood theme music is very distracting. 
you half expect to see Jack Harkness standing on top of a large building. I suppose it's intended to build excitement, but it is quite out of character with Doctor Who. What episode was really cringy? Yeah. That most of them. <laughs> like, is it is it is it the uh, the zipperhead people? Like, is it that episode? No. Is it, it has the... they play in it the Torchwood theme song, which this guy just said. Yeah, and it has classic enemies in it. Is it the one with the Slovene? That's what I nope. said. Not classic enemies. Is it the one? I don't remember who the enemy is. The one where they ride the a motorcycle. One thing. That's a couple. It's David Tennant. The, mm. This is the only one I wrote down. The only review I wrote down because I figured it, it is harder. Um, so it's season two is when they were pushing all the Torchwood stuff, and they go to Torchwood. And they play the Torchwood theme over and over, but it's pre-Captain Jack Torchwood. Classic oh. monsters. Uh, it's not the it's not the 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 ghosts one, right? With it the is Cyberman? Army of Ghosts. Oh, okay. Holy shit! Yeah, because that Cyberman that building... and Daleks. Yeah, because that building was Torchwood. Yeah, yeah. And so they play that theme song because it's gearing up to Torchwood launching. So they're using it as like, uh, hey, isn't this cool? Okay, this one's a little more recent. Should be easier. This is a three out of ten from Mimi Alleluia Nine, written on May tenth, May two thousand ten, not May tenth. the t- The review is titled "Ah Ellipses Doctor Who Ellipses." It's really a bad mark for me. I'm a great fan of Doctor Who. Guys, going through all these reviews, you have no idea how many of them start with, I'm a great fan of Doctor Who. I don't know why people feel... Anyway. And this was just too disappointing. The main problem was all the intentions. When you watch this episode, you see what they wanted to show with this traveling. Or this weird scene where you've got the impression that the chickens are the main characters. But it doesn't work. It just looks like the work a student in realization would have done with a lot of money and all the naivety of that you would have when you're really young. <laughs> Another really bad thing is the total lack of subtlety they show in regard to this crack story. Bad Wolf, Vote for Saxon, The Bees Disappearing, all those clues were really good and gave you this feeling of being tricked or just blind. But the crack in the wall? Please, it's too much! And the last scene of this episode was just one of the most clumsy things I've ever watched. Doctor Who can do better. Really. They showed it to us. And I just hope they'll show us again. Was this the season finale that had that crack in the ship? Or was that a finale? Well, are you thinking no. Beast Below with the Queen? That, like... I don't have the memory I was gonna for say, this Is the crack of... with, like, the Amy Pond really... era? Right. Yeah. So you you got the season narrowed down. It's the season with the crack in it. Is it the episode where they're like the underground people? I what? don't know what you mean. The, what? the one where they get pulled underground and then like the doctor throws something into the crack. Oh, I get you. No. But here's another review. Five out of ten. The the name of this review is very much on the in the middle. <laughs> uh first off. <laughs> I know nothing of all the minds behind the show. Been a fan for a long time to when I was a kid and it came on PBS. So this is an American. 
now or North American. Now, I enjoy the overall plot line of the cracks in time. The show needs that seasonal theme and is working so far, but we all kind of going to come back to the new Daleks. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but we don't kind of come back to the new Daleks, so fuck off. The idea of blank being aliens, in fact, they were pretty sick looking aliens, sort of like hairless, rabid fish mice. My slight problem is why is it always Earth? Spend some money, BBC, and let's try more planets. Now you know they're American because they don't understand how the BBC works. I enjoy I enjoy time, but I would like to see more planets. Now the subplot line, comma, fell flat, comma, to quote another reviewer, Rory is the new Mickey, which was someone I never cared for. Comic cannon fodder works, but it takes someone with a very, very select sense of comedy timing. Whoever is writing this needs to cut back a bit. Captain Jack made a great male sidekick. His comic timing was more Cary Grant, not Rory's Jerry Lewis. He might improve over time if he remains a traveling man, but I hope the jealous theme doesn't play too much into the rest of the season. Well, he was disappointed because it does, but um, is that he's not talking about um, when they go see Nixon? Is it? No. With the silence? It's going to be early on for Rory who does remain a traveling man. <laughs> but it's blank as aliens. So it's a, like, some Something kind of... on Earth, right? Yeah, he complains about it being on Earth. It's like a fictional monster in our history being an alien, which happens all the time with Doctor Who. But it's also Rory, Amy, and the Doctor... It's the season with the crack. And apparently it has Jack in the episode too? Oh. No. Oh. He was just comparing Rory to Jack. So what monster was a hairless fish rat? I'm wondering, is it like the Dalek itself? No, it's something in plain sight that turns out to be alien. No, it's something that we think is a classic monster. A classic universal monster. So like universal Frankenstein or Dracula or like the um, man from the lagoon or something like that? <laughs> the man who I lives forget. in the lagoon. Oh my god. Yeah, the creature <laughs> from the black monster? lagoon. That's what I'm trying to think of. Oh, yes, not the that's man. That's the monster. <laughs> nope, the man near a lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. It is the vampires of Venice. Oh. What? Oh, vampires being alien. The crack was in that one? Yeah. God, I do not remember that. The lead vampire lady is all like, we went, we escaped through the cracks and it brought us here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. And the, uh, I, I did pick up on the line where it's like, I like the time, but. Could we get a different planet? So that means oh, it was I'm a timepiece. It wasn't current time. So that's... Well, that's why I was thinking it was the Nixon one. It wasn't. Okay. I'll do one more. This one I really wanted to do because my favorite thing of just the internet is when people like have to show how smart they are by just <laughs> unnecessarily using words that nobody knows. And like it always R-I happens. I'm on- very smart. Right. So this is a 1 out of 10 review. 
posted in 2015. The title is Appalling Twaddle <laughs> by ikaras 315 Oh, boy. The review goes as follows. It is, of course, foolish to expect a show like Doctor Who to sedulously adhere to a scientifically accurate line, and I don't. I do, however, expect it to not contradict high school physics, and that kind of unthinking error wrecks a story like this beyond all repair, especially when those schoolboy errors are what drive the plot. I gave up when they had a plastic spray bottle out on the airless surface of the moon. There's no way to write around that. That's just plain impossible. <laughs> in some ways, more impossible than a time traveler in a blue box. Time travel has not yet been ruled out by the currently known laws of physics. However, it is impossible to have a thin plastic spray bottle of liquid on the airless surface of the moon without it exploding and freezing. Anyone got a guess? The oh, egg, I will go on. The egg is the moon. <laughs> What's that? Say it again, Sam. The moon were is an actually, egg. I were don't they think they were. The moon, though? Oh, yeah. Was this yeah. the one with the where the hospital got beamed up to the moon? No, the no, moon no. itself this is, is a the giant one where egg. it's. Yes, that one. Yeah. And it leaves another egg it's when with it Clara leaves. And, um, Capaldi. You remember that one? I think if any of us were right, Jake probably would have said. So I think we no, got to keep. It's Kill the Moon. Yeah. It's oh, the, okay. yeah. It is the Moth Moon one then. There, There's so much of this. It ends with, Kill the Moon, without question, is the worst Doctor Who story of both eras, and it's almost entirely the fault of the writer Peter Harness. Some blame has to be shared by Moffat for approving this appalling pile of rubbish Jesus. in the first place. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, they That's were... a harsh one. Are they an English They major? were offended. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there was like four more paragraphs to that. <laughs> so, no, that's... I have two weeks of trying to come up with a new game. That's the best I've come up with so far. So we'll see That's in the future bad. ways to tweak that. I like I mean, it's it. Still, I mean, we still have to draw on our memory of all the past episodes, which is has always been the difficult part. But yeah, this almost yeah. seems harder. At least it's but... like we're not waiting for each other to get the answer. Yeah. yeah. I also it's... I also like shitting on like yeah. bad people writing bad <laughs> stuff. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And that that's where the fun is. It's about these morons taking things way too seriously and just shitting on them. Yeah, good job, so, Jake. So don't worry about coming out with the right answer. Just listen to what they're saying and shit on them for what they say. <laughs> Alex, give me that paper crop theme song. This has been Married to Who, our episode on the Saranga Conundrum. If you want to participate with us in our Twitters, you can do so Married to Who Pod. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who, or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in some other way, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or our website, Married to Who.com, where you can get all the old shitty episodes. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody Sam, Jill and Alex, and producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join Join us next week for the Demons of the Punjab. <laughs> Do 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 do